Welcome to the Brains Magazine podcast, a podcast with in-depth interviews and conversations with world-class entrepreneurs, expert coaches, industry leaders, and international celebrities. Get exclusive insight into the world of business, mindset, leadership, and lifestyle with your host, Mark Sefton. I want to welcome you to this next episode of the Brains Magazine podcast. And today actually happens to be Thanksgiving. So we do want to give all our American family and uh, associates and executive contributors and senior contributors and everybody that just listens uh, a happy Thanksgiving to you and your families today. Today we have Babita Spinelli. And Babita is the founder and a CEO, a psychotherapist, a psychologist, involved in coaching and consulting. Babita, it's lovely to have you with us today. How are you? I'm doing great. And it is Thanksgiving. And I thought this was a a wonderful time to do the podcast because I'm really thankful for the work that I can do. And I thought, oh, how special to just have a morning podcast with you, Mark, um, and to be able to have a chat this morning on a really special day that everybody loves, right? Thanksgiving, who doesn't love all of the things, the messaging around it and being grateful, but also having really yummy food with family and friends. Oh yeah. And there's, there's never, you never need an excuse to have, you know, food, right. You know, I've always loved food, even though this year has been very much focused on health. Like, you know, even before we jumped on this podcast, you know, I I had myself some salmon eggs and avocado, very tasty. Mm, Yum. (laughs) It's interesting, isn't it? Because obviously Thanksgiving today, when I created an Instagram story, you know, I was encouraging people because we often focus, don't we, on the things that we're grateful for, the things that we're thankful for. But it's always good to pause and actually think about all the things that we're thankful for that we don't have. Have you ever done that? Do you do much of that, Babita, where you actually, you know, think of all the near misses, all the things that could have happened that didn't and give give gratitude for those things? Absolutely. I think about the things when I do a look back on my life, things that gotten messy, things that felt so painful and difficult. And I realize how that kind of connected to something else to take me to somewhere else and, um, and make sense of it and, and then feel grateful for it, even if at the time it felt confusing, painful, overwhelming, or even anger producing. Mm, and, and, you know, I, already from the get-go today and I'm really thankful for like your energy I know this is the first time that we've actually had a had a like a a face-to-face conversation here and um, I can tell even from the get-go because I love energy everything's about energy read energy you've got such a sweet gentle sincere energy to you well I appreciate you saying that Um, I really feel like when you can when you've kind of done the work on the path of your own self-awareness and authenticity, you start to get more and more comfortable to be in your own skin and be able to show up truly in terms of like the essence of who you are. And that's not to say that we don't have all different parts of ourselves, but you know, it takes a journey to kind of get to the place where you feel like you can feel comfortable leaning into that and just say, yep, this is me. And that's sort of where I feel like I'm at, and maybe you're just picking up on those traits of mine um, that are really just authentically where I feel like who I am and who at least I'd like to try and be or show up as. Yeah, isn't it amazing? Like when we go through like 
trauma or difficulty and I'm a big believer that when when we hurt most we grow most and you know when you're going through that period of, of pain and, and struggle you know it's it's very hard to kind of have the perspective that this is going to pass that this is temporary that this will shift and then when you kind of come out the other end you know and you you get a, a reconciliation with what's really going on when you learn to to heal when you find that you're not triggered the same that you used to there is often, you know, especially amongst coaching and consulting in particular, it tends to be the things that we go through tends to be the very essence of that, which we then go and help other people that are kind of coming up behind us in a similar sort of struggle or path. Do you do you find that that's very much where your your power lies, Babita, within within that? Absolutely. Um, I'd say that it lies in a, in a few ways. I do agree that when you've experienced those pain points yourself, when you've actually had that challenge or struggle, you are more likely to be able to connect with individuals in that way. And even though everybody has their own unique version, because you've also moved through it, you can kind of help and guide in that transformation because you have the relatability. And then people can also feel that you can understand that and acknowledge that and help them move through it. So I do agree with that as far as the coaching and consulting. I think the psychoanalyst in me might also say that you do have a certain sense of clinical training as well that ends up being so relevant. So even if I'm coaching and consulting, the psychoanalyst, psychotherapist in me does not go away. Like I have learned and trained in like how, if someone's having a trauma response, if someone has dealt with a really big loss, if someone has overwhelming anxiety to be able to work with them in that way. So I think it's the combination of things that I've experienced as well as that psychodynamic psychotherapist within me. Yeah, and, and that's where I think that that puts you ahead of the curve because I, I've, I've, I've said before on, on podcasts as well, like the fact that everybody seems to be a coach. I almost feel like coach, the whole coaching and mentoring kind of like arena needs to be regulated. So I, I like the fact that you're saying, yes, there is merit with experience, but actually experience alone isn't enough. And I agree, it's, it isn't. I do think that it needs to be underpinned, like in your case with psychology or psychotherapy, I do think that it needs to have that because then you just have people that have no accountability and they're leading people that actually in some cases really need some specialist help. So I think that's, uh, I think that's really good that you have that. Bubita, I'd love to know, because you, you help a lot of people, and one of the things that you really help people uh, with is to really tune into their own uniqueness. How, how, do, you, how do you do that? Mm -hmm. Well, um, you know, part of like my process with individuals really does start with first that stage of getting that deeper understanding of themselves, of, of self-awareness. I think that is so critical. Um, regardless of what they're coming to me for, um, because we can't tune into our unique selves unless we can, sometimes it's painful, really have conscious knowledge of our character, our feelings, our limitations, um, sort of parts of our journey. Yes, and I say even our childhoods and those messages. When we can understand that, and really dive deep into that, 
we can start to up-level your unique version of yourself because you're very aware of yourself, then you can kind of say, okay, now I'm going to leverage that by then working on what is it about me that I feel like is the healthier, better version of me? How, what are my patterns? How do I want my relationships to look like? You know, how do I want to lead? Um, I work with a lot of C-suite and executives. How do I want to lead in my environment? What am I doing or not doing? That's tuning into your unique self because you are very connected with who you are. That self-awareness also helps you to understand others better because people might say, well, okay, fine, I know myself better, but then like, what does that mean in terms of tuning into my unique self and living my life? Well, when you know yourself better, you're also recognizing how you show up and how that relates to other people. And when you shift, that creates a shift in a dynamic. So you are now making impact with others. So that sort of just changes everything. And then you can be a little bit more of your unique self. Um, there's so much more, but I'm just going to pause there to just sort of like, let us take that in for a moment. Yeah. So you, you're talking about like identifying patterns, you know, and, and you've talked about self-awareness and I love self-awareness and uh, I'm going to ask a question about that in a moment, but how, how do you go about and how do you encourage other people to identify some of these unhealthy patterns? Mm-hmm. Well, I think the first part is when we have that deep dive around their own histories. In that journey, there is a recognition actually for, it takes also me as a lens because people will have a hard time just kind of self understanding it. That's why they're seeing me, right? To be able to say like, um, have you, you know, recognized that this actually isn't the norm. So for example, if someone had a narcissistic parent, if someone you know, had a parent that created what we call the scapegoat person or the golden child, someone may not understand what their unhealthy patterns are. So part of people recognizing that is actually being able to first kind of dive into you know, some of their own experiences, some of their history, and really kind of going into their like life and what that's about. Um, and in that journey, the more that they are vulnerable, the more that they share, the more we are able to get a barometer and we can explore together what is healthy or not healthy and say, this seems like a pattern. Do you recognize that each person, I'll throw something out there, each employee you've had, you've had a challenge or struggle with, can we kind of recognize that there's an unhealthy pattern here and that the common denominator is you and what you're doing? Or do you realize that because you are having challenges in your personal life, maybe going through a divorce, et cetera, do you notice that then in, in, your, in your department or what you're running, that you're bringing in a lot of the unhealthy patterns you brought in in your personal life you're not being as verbal. You're not being as empathic. Do you notice that that is what your ex is actually saying about you? That is unhealthy. So those are just some of the ways that I help people to do that. And then we do some cognitive work. I do a lot of like tools of what does that look like and what is healthy or not healthy. And there's like, you know, 
when I tell you hundreds of tools that I use with people around that assessments and things, and that's where the coaching kind of combines with the therapeutic space. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've got to stay really focused because this this is definitely my jam as well. I I love triggers, I love patterns, I love uh, the fact that we've all got a lens that we all have our own experience. You know, I I love that. I work with a psychologist like during the pandemic, and I absolutely loved it and believe everybody should have one. It doesn't matter where you're at in life. That it's so amazing, and uh, it's funny with triggers because like tr- when we're triggered, it just shows us where we need you know re- re- renewed and constant healing. So kind of like now when I'm triggered, I kind of get excited by it rather than upset. So I'm like, yes, this is a chance for me to find out why the heck am I reacting so strong, right? Exactly. Like And, and like, where is this coming from? Who told me this? What is this about? And when we understand our triggers, absolutely, Mark, we can also see our patterns. We can say, wait, I know this is a trigger for me. What, am, what can I do about it? And wow. I can see how this repeats because I keep ignoring that this is a trigger for me. And if we can get excited about it, if we can reframe it and say, I'm using this as an opportunity and I'm going to lean into this to say, what can I do differently? It's amazing. I have to tell you, see how excited I get. I've had clients say to me, oh my goodness, I am making so many healthier decisions now because one, I feel so much more aware, but two, I'm so much more aware of my own triggers and this has made such a change for me. Mm, amazing. It is amazing. It's like, you know, I, I'm excited too. So I'm li- literally just reflecting back kind of like what, you, what you're kind of giving off. Like, and even, and, I, and you know, you talked about, you know, the importance of diving in and literally for me, that looks like, you know, sitting down with myself, being quiet, um thinking about what I'm feeling and trying to add some context as to why I'm feeling that way like the the last time I was triggered was only last week and it had been a while since it was triggered and um I was basically I felt blamed for something that wasn't mine to own now if I make a mistake or I do something wrong I'm quite comfortable in saying sorry taking ownership and doing whatever I need to to correct it but when I was blamed for something that was not mine and it was somebody else's, man, did I get triggered. Like I was like, woof. And I was like, oh, Mark, you're quite fired up about this one. And, uh, you know, I'm very in the middle of this now, kind of trying to find out what that is and where that's from. Like what would be your kind of like encouragement in the situation that I'm in? Mm-hmm. Great question. I think first and foremost, I would start to explore within yourself what feels familiar when someone else may not be taking responsibility for something. How is that in your life looking back on it? Is it not just what this particular situation is, but is this familiar in your life looking back that's adding to this trigger for you? That's sort of creating an alarm bell within you. And then saying, ah, so that connection is, it's not just what's going on here, but I've experienced this before. And it's, it is connecting to a part of me that might think it's, might be what I call like the, the part that says like, uh, what I'd say is like maybe Mr. Injustice, like things have to be just, or the part of you, the, 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 the critic that has felt judged or blamed. And that critic part is saying, wait a second, I'm not to blame here. So there's that part. So I would suggest 
looking at looking doing a look back on where this might be coming from and i love doing parts work what are the parts that are being triggered by this and what is that about and then to be able to say what part needs to come in now to help me work through this and what do i want to do do i want to turn around and go back to this person and say hey can we take a look at this together i'm noticing that there's something going on here where you think that i might be responsible and I'd love to explore that with you. I'm curious about that. Or to be able to say, hey, I noticed that I felt really upset when you said, hey, this is you. I'm not so sure about that. Can we talk about this? Mm -hmm. But I think the first part is the reflection part and allowing your parts to kind of lead you to what this is about for you. Gain that clarity in quiet moments, as you're saying, or working with a coach or a therapist, and then turn back around to have that conversation, um, but with another caveat, I'm gonna bring something else in. If that emotional investment in that conversation is something that is also going to serve you, sometimes we need to pause and say, I understand this now. Do I need to let this go? Is this significant enough for me to explore it with some of the language that I just suggested? Or am I using this as information about my relationship with this person? Maybe I need to set more boundaries here. Maybe I get triggered by this person and maybe I give too much emotional investment in this dynamic with this person and make that choice. And either direction is healthy. It doesn't mean you're avoiding it because you are reflecting and intentionally deciding what to do with it. Oh, this is good. This is good, Babita. I'm I, I'm loving it. I'm absolutely loving like just talking about this stuff because it's real, you know, and we're touching on things that, you know, excite the snot out of me anyway. <laughs> but, you know, we talked about like self-awareness and, and self-awareness really comes down to uh, our ability to to know self. So how, how do we actually improve our relationship with ourselves? Because like we literally, from the day we're born to the day we die, the only person that's with you 24-7 is self. So it is so important that we we are kind to ourselves. That mental chatter that we all have uh, and that narrative, and you talked a little bit about narrative, and we all have a circuit and a program that goes around in our minds in terms of who we see ourselves as. How, how do we actually improve our relationships so we have the sweet spot of not being arrogant but being humble, teachable, but also having a healthy kind of view of self. Mm -hmm. I think a healthy view of self is if we can see all the parts of ourselves with, with honesty and transparency and recognize it without being critical, but, but know that, you know what, these are my qualities and characteristics. And I understand that. And are there things about me that I I really should realize that I'm not comfortable with, that aren't good for me, that are, aren't uh, healthy for me. So the first part around your self-awareness is acceptance mm -hmm. of realizing that there are different personality traits and qualities and characteristics that exist, whether it is nature or nurture, meaning whether you have come into this world with some certain genetics or whether you have that and or experiences have happened to nurture that in you or create that within you. So that's the first thing. 
The second one is I go ask yourself to be more in touch with your feelings, not to be afraid of it. Like literally I hand, doesn't matter what stage you are in your life, a feelings wheel. A lot of people do that with like, you know, children and adolescents that I used to work with years ago. Now, now I don't, but I decided, you know what, I'm going to hand even individuals that are like CEOs of fortune 100 companies. And I'm like, here's a feelings wheel. And they're like, uh-huh. And I'm like, yep, carry it with you everywhere. Because if we can up our emotional intelligence and ask ourselves, what am I feeling right now? And, and what is that about for me? That is important in your self-awareness. A lot of times we dissociate from that. So that's the second thing. Mm. The third, I know it sounds so cliche, but I do say, please, everybody, everybody take time to journal. Mm. Like even if you just, even if it's on your device, there's a five minute journal thing, write it down. Mm. That does up-level our self-awareness because let's say, for example, New York City, you're commuting on the subway, you're about to go to work, you're, you're already like prepared that it may be a stressful day. If you just write down how you're feeling and maybe some little things about what's going on, you're, you're already ahead of the game in your self-awareness. Mm. So I would say the, the journaling part. I would also say, you know, take the, the time to be curious with people in your life about how they perceive and see you. Mm. You know, sometimes it's just over like, you know, uh, beverages and dinner with a friend, like be just be more curious if someone says something or if you, you know, ask their opinion or um, allow that exploration to take place that also up levels our self-awareness and give yourself room to always continue to learn from others whether it's a book or someone you you inspire or models thing, things for you. Maybe there's a TED talk, maybe there's someone that you follow. This is where I think the fact that there is social media is helpful. Uh, that's a whole other conversation around that, but where you can like, tune into resources to up-level your self-awareness. There are things you just accept that you may not be aware of. Mm. Those are just some things. I mean, Mark, I could go on about self-awareness for hours but we don't have that time today it honestly it was great like just I love how clear and directive uh, you you are and um, you know we shouldn't shy away from kind of opening ourselves up for feedback and I always think that feedback's one of those and it's the same with anything it's never really what we say it's how we say it that I think we run into problems both with ourselves and with other people because sometimes I think some of the most intuitive people on the planet are some of the most harsh. So actually what they're saying is really on point, but how they deliver it is where actually it causes a problem. The message isn't received or heard. You're then upset with that person and then that the, they lose out on, on an ability to be able to pour in. So what would be your thought on that? Because I do think there is a premise there of, of how we deliver. Absolutely. Um, brilliant that you're raising this. So how do we communicate? Um, it is so normal and common that whether it's in the workplace or in personal relationships, that we tend to um, already be thinking about our response before someone has actually finished their thought. And we've already created a story or a narrative, right? Even, even literally in seconds. I would say this, truly pause and listen to this person 
and then ask them and say, or confirm what you've heard. What I hear you say is, or my understanding of what you've just said, or might I snapshot what I think you're trying to communicate to me? And then pause. You might find that that's not what they're saying at all. So when they go back and snapshot it, now let's say they've snapshotted it, and you're like, so what I've heard you say is this, then you snapshot back. They might say, wait a second, that's not it at all. Do that. That is so critical because you're already then starting off on the footing of trying to understand and hear each other. And they can do that with you then say, let me just clarify, or I notice that you're getting a little triggered. I'm wondering if maybe I'm not being clear about how I'm speaking. So there's that part of it. And I think gaining that clarity and understanding the second part of it is I call just, we, we actually have to rewire how we speak sometimes. We might have grown up, like let's say in a family where people um, speak like they're arguing and it's, it could even be a cultural thing. You know, I had a moment years and years ago, my family's very passionate, years ago. I mean, I think I was like in high school and I was on the phone with someone. This, there weren't really mobile phones. So I've just dated how old I am. And um, someone said, oh, my God, is everybody fighting in your family? I'm like, oh, no, we're just having breakfast and talking. Um, and so that part of it, sometimes we don't know how we're going to be received. So I think really almost understanding how, what's my communication style and taking the time to learn what is empathic communication, what is language that can be used that's actually more well received and how do we frame things and be open to yourself to realize that, okay, it's okay. Like I need to really learn how to speak differently in order to get the response that I'm looking for and for other people to actually be able to feel either more connected with me or to not be even triggered by some of the ways that I speak. Yeah, it's, it's fascinating. It is fascinating. And also it's funny because I, everything you're saying, I, I'm kind of, I've got like these little uh, images of, of experiences over the last few weeks where I dealt with things really well. And then other times actually when um, I felt like how they were communicating some feedback, I got kind of defensive, you know, about that. And then like, oh yeah, it got a bit messy. Um, and it was interesting, you know, when you're saying about, you know, listen, you know, confirm, pause, and and then say back, like when when your emotions are, are high and you're triggered and again like I what I was in that I was in that triggered state of actually thinking that some of the feedback was unjust you know and and not fair and it was like again it's like how how do we keep a, a lid on that so that we can pause we can listen and reflect back before we kind of get defensive jump to conclusions like how, how do we actually we've got some like techniques like do we need to punch ourselves in the face or something <laughs> um that's so funny you know it's interesting because not to psychoanalyze you mark but i really think like when i just when you think about the example that you're sharing with me and thank you for being so you know vulnerable and transparent we notice that a, a part of you is like the fairness part there's a very powerful part in you that have experienced unfairness, being blamed for things, being responsible for things that aren't like weren't your responsibility or your fault. 
that part of you thinks it's protecting you and gets upset and angry and suddenly will like jump in because it feels angry, but it's doing it to protect you. Our parts think they're serving us. So the work in that, what I would suggest for anyone that has, you know, that that, that comes up for, and for many of us, it does, to sit down with that part to just be able to say, hey, I hear you and understand you. Let's go down to think about what, like why you feel like you exist. I need to channel you in another way because I just jump to getting angry or this part of me does. And it's not really serving me because it goes nowhere. Mm. And the other person might get angry or I'm sitting in this toxic feeling within myself. So the thing that I think is very key for people is figure out like, how does that part exist and why, why or what is so important to that part to continue to be triggered because of it and, and utilize it in another way? It takes time and work. That's the long-term kind of work, but it does, I, I will tell you, if you have faith in doing that, it does shift things for a person. The second more immediate thing is really just to, yeah, to be able to have some even safe word within your own head and that takes some work too. To I call it the like, breathe one two three. Like just say pause one two three. Like this is coming up again. Breathe, and you may even want to say, I'm. I need to take a beat. Like if this is happening in person, just say, I just need to step away or get a glass of water. I need to use the restroom. I need to do something, and just breathe and say, okay, maybe I need to go back and say to this person, you know what? Let's redirect our conversation. Maybe I need to just say to myself, okay, breathe. This isn't really helpful to me right now. Things of that nature. So I think in the moment you can do that too. I also think it's like, are we taking care of our mental health that might lead us to continuing to have this pattern? Like, are we using overall outlets generally that might help us so that these little micro things aren't happening? Like, do I walk or run in the morning? Do I meditate? Do I nourish myself? Do I journal? Do I meet with my therapist or my coach? Because if we're not doing those things in the fabric of our life, then these micro things end up happening a lot more because we're not taking care of ourselves. So that's also a bigger picture thing. Mm, love that. So there's about like three or four things I just mentioned. I know that's a lot, but. Oh, it's always better to give more than, than not enough, you know, and, and this definitely seems like a, an episode people are going to have to listen to more than once, you know, and uh, I think, you know, it's quite funny, you know, when you've been in media for as long as I have, you, you finally get over, you know, the hangups of hearing your own voice. Uh, and so sometimes I do listen uh, back to them myself like and I always find it as a great opportunity to learn something to add something and this is this is really like really good I've got uh, one last question uh, before we bring this into land uh, Babita and then feel free you can tell us um, anything else that may be burning in you in in like a minute or so and um, tell people how they can find out more about you but we we focus a little bit on improving our relationship with ourselves, and obviously we're we're relational beings you know, maybe maybe what's one thing that we could do to improve our relationship with others and, and maybe one thing that we need to stop doing in our relationships that you feel is problematic on, on a general scale? Like obviously, you work with lots of people. 
um, and often our struggles are common to man. But but what what would be one thing that you say? You know, if you just do this, you'll see an improvement in relationship. And and what is this one thing that you please stop doing for the, for the love of your relationships? Hmm. Um. I mean, there's so much here, but I I really truly believe that if an individual um like it does start with you i think if we can recognize some of the things and be honest with ourselves and do the work of ourselves we will bring that into our relationship and i know that doesn't feel very specific but i would say don't discount how significant it is if you are not taking care of you because you will impact everyone around you if you don't take care of you you will come back into your relationship and maybe feel frustrated or stressed out or angry because you're not in touch with yourself or taking care of yourself um but it also maybe if we want to get even more specific than that i would say really please try and be an active listener in your life Do not dismiss or discount how important it is to try and pause and listen because we so much create stories. We so much are in our own heads. We so much jump the gun and that really impacts our relationships. And the biggest thing I've heard people say, if I'm sitting like in doing relationship work with a couple or someone is, I don't feel like he or she listens. I don't feel like they hear what I'm saying. Like that's so common. So if someone literally can just listen to their partner or family member or friend and pause and hear them, it can make a world of difference. Mm. Beautiful. Love that. And Babita, anything, anything finally that you want to say in terms of, you know, maybe something that we haven't touched upon or, or a spark that you really just feel like we need to hear right now? I feel like right now out in the world, there's such a space of like comparison and the need to be perfect and put out a particular image and it's creating so much pressure, you know, um, in the workplace and even personally. And I really just want to say to people who, someone who's like sort of in the field, like there is messiness everywhere. We are all just walking each other home really try to like show yourself some grace and empathy um, and and kindness and try not to get so caught up in the noise really just realize that it's okay to that mistakes happen sometimes things take place in our life you know I know that even about myself I am I am I might do the work that I do but I still there are things that come up that are very messy things that I've dealt with and realize that and um and know that everybody does have you know their little suitcase of stuff that they're trying to figure out you're not alone in that and it's it's okay to know that if you're not feeling okay mm. beautiful and how do people find out more about you, your amazing work? Uh, yeah. Where do we go? Yeah. So um, you can go to babitaspinellygroup.com um, or openingthedoorspsychotherapy.com. These are my websites. And of course, I do put out a lot of uh, resources on you know Instagram, et cetera. If you just Google Babita Spinelli, 
you'll find my contact information. Um, but I also really, I, I'm still open to the good old fashioned phone call. So you'll see my phone number. And I do say to people, you are welcome to call me and let's have a conversation. And if there's a way to be able to work with each other, great. Um, if not, I will direct you to what I feel like I think you might need in your life. Mm. So that is also another way to reach me. That's beautiful. I honestly feel, I feel better than what I did when I started the podcast, because I just think that your energy uh, and the way that you speak and articulate and, and the wisdom there is just, oh, you know, I could just sit at your feet and just take it all in. Amazing. Honestly, Babita, fan, thank you. It's brilliant. Oh, thank you so much. It's been such a pleasure to like start Thanksgiving this way and this morning. And I so appreciate it. And I, I so appreciate you. And thank you. Thank you for joining this episode with me, Mark Sefton. I hope you really enjoyed it. Feel free to leave us a positive review on iTunes. And I look forward to welcoming you back to the next episode of the Brains Magazine podcast.